Welcome to Landmark Worship Center's audio podcast. We hope that this message will inspire and encourage your life. So open your heart and mind and receive what God has for you today. Heard 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 10. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 10. And as you turn there in your Bibles, be prepared to read the word. Uh, we do want to say we're so glad to see Sister Debbie Marlin with us today. We have missed her. And now we can finally have church. <laughs> we want her to know that we love her and we're, we're here for her. We've been praying for her. Praise God. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Verse 10, therefore I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses, for Christ's sake. Notice there that's important. These are for Christ's sake. And then he goes on, the Apostle Paul in his writing to the book of Second to the Corinthian church. All of this is for Christ's sake. And then he began to say these words, for when I am weak, then am I strong. And I want to preach to you on this subject, and this title is is going to take a different turn than what you might think it will. My subject today is too strong to be weak. Too strong to be weak. You can put your Bibles down. Let's just lift our hands and thank the Lord one more time. God, we praise you. We thank you, God, for this opportunity to be in your house, to hear the word of God. God, we give you praise. We give you thanks for your blessings, for your outpouring, for the hunger of people that you begin to fulfill that hunger by your spirit. God, we're hungry here today. We're thirsty for another drink from the well of living water. God, we give you praise. We give you thanks here today in the name of Jesus. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. Amen. Shake hands with a couple people around you and then you may be seated. We are the body of Christ. We are the body of Christ. Amen. I heard it mentioned earlier uh, about the connect groups, and we do have five connect groups that met here just uh, on Wednesday night. And again, we will say that it's going to be the last Wednesday of each month. So we want to encourage you to be a part of that. If you don't know what group that you're, you're in, Please check the bulletin board, and it's got the host. And thank you. Let's give a hand of appreciation to the hosts. They're allowing their homes to be open. And we've heard some great reports on those connect groups. And um, uh, matter of fact, and I've read the scripture many times, but I just kind of read it again. It just came to me. Um, in the book of Acts chapter 2, we are being biblical in our uh, connect groups. And connect groups doesn't mean we don't need the house of God. Uh, They're both very important. So I come across the scripture to kind of tie all that in. It's in uh, the second chapter of Acts, and it's verse 46. Of course, this is after Acts 2.38 and the outpouring of the Holy Ghost and And the Bible says here in verse 46, and they continuing daily with one accord in the temple. The temple is the church. So they continued um, in one accord in the temple. And then and breaking bread from house to house. So 
And it goes on, of course, and says, did they eat their meat glad with gladness and singleness of heart? Now, that we are biblical. We're being biblical, trying to continue to be biblical because it says they were in one accord uh, in the temple, which is the house of God. We need the house of God. And then, of course, uh, they were also breaking bread from house to house. And uh, that's our connect groups. And then, of course, we're also being biblical because we're, um, in breaking bread, we're also did eat our meat with gladness and singleness of heart. So every time we have a connect group, we eat, we are being biblical. And uh, I'm glad we're being biblical. And we're going to continue in that. So uh, if, you could, if you could join us in that, it would be a great experience. And um, we're happy that we're being able to do that and then that's a Wednesday night, and we, we chose that last Wednesday so that we uh, are not going to have an extra uh, night on our agenda because, you know, we all, we have a lot of things going on in the church and in our lives and this and that. So it's a great time for us to join together and be a part of that. So when we look at this, this scripture, therefore I take pleasure in infirmities and in reproaches and necessities and persecutions and distresses for Christ's sake. It's all about Christ. It's all for the cause of Christ. And then uh, Paul realized, which is totally opposite from what the world uh, looks at, and maybe even our own thinking sometimes, that, that uh, this thought that when I'm weak, then am I strong, that to the human mind doesn't make sense. And I know that in life, um, you know, I want to do everything as strong as I can. I want to be strong for my family. I want to be strong on the job. I want to be strong in life. I want to be, I'm going to be strong when I'm pulling that big 20-point buck out of the woods. Uh, I want to be strong in that. I want to be strong uh, toward my, uh, with my, my friends because I care about them. I want to try to protect them my loved ones, my church family. I mean, I want to be strong for God. I want to be strong for the church. And I realize that if we're going to be strong, sometimes we look at strength in a different way through human eyes, that we've got to be able to, uh, you know, uh, stand up and be strong for certain things and, and, and have a strong will and this and that. But I feel like that that... Uh, can, I not feel, I know it can lead sometimes to pride. And we've heard about that here today. It can lead to pride to the point where we feel like that in order for us to be strong in God, we don't need to be weak. We don't need to be weak. But we've, we're getting the wrong concept here. And, and I know that you know what we're talking about as far as as far as uh, being weak in the Lord, doesn't mean that we're weak in doctrine, weak in, in our commitment to God, weak in all of these different things. But yet we, are, we, we have to understand that we've got to be weak in ourselves and strong in God. Because our weakness, when we begin to put our flesh aside, we begin to put our own will aside and all those things, then we begin to accept God's will, God's direction, and then we're going to become strong. But it's through our weaknesses. Then the Apostle Paul realized, when I, when I am weak, then am I strong. When I'm weak in myself, I am strong to God. John the Baptist even said, less of me and more of you, God. He, understand, he understood that concept that we've got to be less of us, weak in ourselves, and accept the strength of the Lord because we cannot survive without God. I can't breathe without God. You can't breathe without God. We can't live without God. We can't live without the breath of God in our, in our, in our lungs. We cannot survive with God's blood flowing through us. He, he has created us. He's created everything and we need him. So uh, one of the big problems in trying to, uh, and I'm going to cover a broad area here today, uh, in, the, in the concept of trying to receive God or find God or find the power of the Holy Ghost in our lives. A lot of times we are 
we, we get it all out of focus here. It's, it, it's something that we're in pursuit of. And the reason why the move of God in our world today, in our country today, is because people are hungry. People are hungry. I, I began to look at, uh, when I got in church, the reason why there was such a move of God. I even had a conversation with Brother Tucker about it. We were just hungry. That's the reason why we found God. And uh, we found God because we were so hungry for His Spirit. And, uh, but there's some things we have to understand that how do you find God and how do you find the Holy Ghost? Uh, it's not as complicated as we make it. Sometimes we make it difficult. The power of the Holy Ghost is not difficult to receive. Amen. The power of God in our lives is not difficult. We make it difficult. And then as I go to a broader spectrum here, uh, to be able to be refilled with the Holy Ghost and be revived in the power of the Spirit of the Lord and get a refreshing and a stirring, it's not hard either. We make it hard. We complicate it to the point where we, we don't get what we need from God because we've got all of this barrier up. And uh, when I am strong, sometimes I'm too strong to be weak and to receive what I need from the Lord. So we make it complicated by holding on to our way and uh, we cloud the way and... and uh, the Bible says that I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh. That doesn't mean a certain group of people. That doesn't mean a certain uh, uh, type of name of people. He said all. And when I think about all, I mean I'm thinking about all. It's not complicated. When I think about all, I think about everybody. And he does. He pours his spirit out upon all flesh. But the problem here is I know that the Lord, after reading that scripture, he poured the spirit out upon me before I received the Holy Ghost. But here's the thing. I've got to be able to open myself up and receive that spirit inside of my heart. He's not going to penetrate through into my heart and soul without me saying, God, come in and open my heart up to the Lord and surrendering to him. But he did pour his spirit out upon all flesh. The reason why uh, these universities are, and people are receiving the Holy Ghost, one thing, they're hungry. Number two, uh, they're just simply opening their hearts up to the Lord in a in, in a sensitive way and repenting before God and asking God to just come in. They're hungry. They see where our world is and it's not working for them and for their university and for their friends. And, and, and some of these colleges, uh, universities in our country, even at the founding of our country, were started as Christian colleges. And they're far from what they were founded as uh, matter of fact, Harvard University, that was, it was a part of, of Christian, some Christian education. Uh, now it's become known as a law school. But I even heard, and I haven't searched into this yet, I'd like to find out about it, but I heard someone say that, that God is starting to move at Harvard. <laughs> Where politicians learn and lawyers learn. What a revival we're having. We need a move of God, not just in our colleges, but we need it in our churches. We need it in our, in our homes. We need it in our own lives. And, and if we will latch on to this. As a matter of fact, what they're experiencing in Asbury uh, University today, uh, really when you think about it, it's what we experience in church when we come to the house of God and begin to worship and feel the flow of God's Spirit uh, but I think that, that we've got to look at it in this way, that we don't have a corner on this thing. It's not just all about us. It's about all of God's creation, and God is pouring His Spirit out, and people are hungry to receive it. Amen. But we feel it. We experience it. We see miracles. We've got testimonies. We see the move of God. We see the power of God ministering. Uh, there, 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 there's times we feel that virtue flow through us and we hear the testimonies of healing and deliverance. It's because we're hungry. It's because we're thirsty. And it's to all God's creation. 
Amen. We are just flesh and blood like everybody else. But to the hungry that are ready to submit to God and pray to God, he's going he's to give them what they need inside of their heart and soul as they open it up to the Lord. It's the same thing with us. Amen. I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh. It depends on how we receive it into our hearts. You see, my experience in the Holy Ghost, and you've got your testimony, I got mine, but, but I can give a few words of description of what I felt when I felt the power of the Spirit of God. It did not come to me until I repented of my sins. That was the first step. I asked God to forgive me for my sins. And when I did that, I felt a flow in me and some lifted weights up off of my heart and soul and mind. And I felt healing in my body and healing in my mind. I, I, I felt that, literally felt healing there. But the experience that I received, it was so powerful. I knew that it was the power of God and it was just not something that I just worked up on my own and my emotions. I knew that it was the power of God. And I felt so joyous in my heart. Amen. I felt the joy of the Lord that I hadn't felt in so many years. I felt that glorious joy begin to well up inside of me. It made me happy. It made me joyous. It, it, it actually was like no other feeling that I've ever felt in my life. It was the glorious power of the Holy Ghost. It gave me strength to overcome self. It led and guided me in all truth. Amen. It gave me a new view of life. It gave me a new view of other people. It gave me a view of those that I really didn't like, but I got a burden for their soul and I reached out to them. It just changed everything inside of me. Amen. I began to speak in another tongue as the Spirit gave utterance. It's biblical. It's in the Word of God. You could read it in the book of Acts chapter 2. The outpouring of the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in tongues. I was speaking in a language that I did not know. But I felt the glory and power of God flow through me. Amen. And what I felt is I felt like I had experienced heaven on earth. Heaven on earth. There's nothing like it. There is, there, I, I, you know, if people could really understand the glorious experience of the Holy Ghost, they would be beating on the doors trying to get in and we'd have lines outside of the doors because if they could only understand the blessing of the power of the Holy Ghost. You know, the only way they're going to know it is what they see in us. We walk around moping all the time with the Holy Ghost, claiming that I got the Holy Ghost. No joy, no peace, no happiness, no victory. Uh, they're going to wonder, what in the world do you have? But we've got to keep it revived. We've got to go back to the well. It's a well of living water springing up within our soul. It's a glorious experience. Matter of fact, in the book of James, chapter 4, verse 8 through 10, it says, draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. This is how simple that it is to receive the Holy Ghost or to receive a refreshing and a refilling of the Holy Ghost. Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. That's not hard, but the question is, he's already waiting to draw nigh to us, but he's waiting on us to draw nigh unto him. We got to come before the Lord. And it says, cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. That's us. And be afflicted and mourn and weep. Let, not, let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to heaviness. Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord and he shall lift you up. What does that sound like? It sounds like being remorseful in our sin and repentance and asking God to forgive us because we feel the shame of sin. We're all, we're all sinners and we, we come to the Lord just like we, everybody else does. Amen. We come to him and we lay it all down at an altar, but we complicate it so much. He said, if you'll draw nigh to me, I'll draw nigh, I'll draw nigh to you. 
but it's a matter of laying some things down. It's a matter of becoming weak in ourselves. It's a matter of putting our own will aside and saying, God, I've done it this way so many years, and I tried it my way. It's not working, but God, I lay it all down. I surrender it all to you. I submit it into your hands. I give it to you. I humble myself of my pride and my, and my ways and thinking that I know it all, God, and I empty it out to you in repentance. Forgive me, God. And the Bible says He'll forgive us. You draw nigh unto Him. He's going to draw nigh unto you. That's not complicated, is it? <laughs> That's not complicated. If I... Uh, if I walk up to Brother Will and begin to talk to him face to face, he's going to begin to talk back to me. Not, not talk back to me, but he's going to talk back to me. I mean, today we, we, he came up and we started talking, but it's hard to talk from a distance, clearing the back to the front. But we, we had a conversation. We drew nigh to each other. And you see, when we draw nigh to God and we surrender it all, we, we, the complication, the obstacles here is we try to come to before God so strong in ourself that we're too strong to be weak. Too strong to be weak. It's when we become weak to self, we find Him. It's not hard. The reason why, and we might be wondering why people are not be filled with the Holy Ghost. A lot of times it's because of pride. It's because of a lot of things. Sometimes it's because, you know, what are people going to think about me? That's pride. It's, it's about, you know, I, I don't want to show weakness. That's pride. It, there's so many things that we come to the conclusion of that, that people don't receive the Holy Ghost because they're still trying to hold on to strength in themselves, in my way. They've been hurt. They've been afraid. They don't want to open up and, re and, and, and surrender at all because they don't know. They live in fear of what's going to happen and what people are going to say, and, and they try to hold on to strength. I'm going to yield a little bit, but I'm going to hold on to my strength. But the Bible is saying that sometimes you're too strong to be weak. And through weakness is when you find God. It's when we become weak to self, we find Him. It's not that hard. It's not that difficult. But people don't break through to God's Spirit are too strong to be weak. Too strong to be weak. Too strong in themselves. I heard this phrase and it really stuck to me in, in a song that and many of you have probably heard it. And, and it's a song that said, the title of it, He's Not On His Knees Yet. And it's sung by C.C. Winans. If you ever get a chance to listen to the song, it's very moving. But in the words of this song, it, it really described the, the obstacles of the people, why they're not getting to God. I do realize that in a church body we need the power of prayer to bring forth conviction because conviction brings people to a point of throwing it all aside and saying, God, I need you. I need you. But in this song it says, uh, talking about someone that was needing the Lord, but they, they're not ready for it. It says, he doesn't know his worth. Where's the saddest smile on earth? But he denies it. Love is reaching out to him, but he, don't, he won't let it in. He defies it. He defies it. The chorus goes like this. He's not ready. He's not on his knees yet. Humbling. He's too strong to be weak. Show him mercy. He's not on his knees yet. Let him break, please. Make him better. Put the pieces back together. He thinks that he's alone. I have walked the road he's on. I know he's searching, looking everywhere, but uh, he can't fill his empty cup. So he keeps hurting. He keeps hurting. He's not ready. He's not on his knees yet. He's too strong to be weak. Show him mercy. He's not on his knees yet. Let him break, please. Make him better. 
put the pieces back together. Help him, please. He's not on his knees yet. And that, that song just reverberated in my mind that he's too strong to be weak. It's the same thing with a lot of people's lives is because they, they have all of the opportunity to receive the power of God's spirit within their lives, but they're not ready yet because they haven't become weak. They're not to the point, they're too strong to be weak, but they're not at the point to give up the strength of self. It's the biggest obstacle that we could have in our lives, but we got to become weak. God's ways are so different than the human thinking. It's, it's switched around. His ways are far above our ways. And we think that in, as a human being, we got to be strong. We cannot be weak. But when it comes to finding God, we've got to be weak to be able to be strong. Amen. You see, God, God doesn't complicate things. I think the world complicates it because His true plan has always been that we come before Him and we're dependent upon Him. How many times have people got to the lowest point in their life and they realized I've done everything that I can to be able to make it work, but yet it still doesn't work. I've been as strong as I could be. I've been strong and I've done everything possible in my own power to do it, but it still is not working out. But yet, it takes a point where we get to where we realize our strength means nothing. But God's strength means everything. But for me to receive that powerful spirit, I've got to become weak. He tries, but he can't fill his empty cup. And he keeps hurting. He's not ready. He's not on his knees yet. You see, we can't fill, we can't fill our cup of emptiness. We, we, we try to fill it with all of the things that we think is going to make us happy. We try to fill it with, you know, partying. We try to fill it with alcohol. We try to fill it with drugs. We try, all those are just substitutes. They're just substitutes from the, from the real thing. They're just substitutes from, from what really will deliver us. Hey Amen. But we try to fill our own cup up with so many different things, with sin. And Bible does say that sin is, is fun for a season, but when sin is finished, it's gone. It's hurt, it's pain, it's struggle. But you see, we try to fill our cup with so many different things. We try to fill it up with friends. We try to fill it up with jobs. We try to fill it up with money. We try to fill it up with bank accounts. We try to fill it up with all these different things. You know, it just adds and adds and adds to. And we keep trying to fill it up, but it just keeps not satisfying us. We can't fill our cup of emptiness. Only God can do that. Only God. He's the one, when he fills that cup up, he, he fills it with things that's going to satisfy the soul. He fills it with things that are going to satisfy our heart, our mind. It's things that's going to bring us peace. It's, you know, I, I, the, the longer I live, the more peace is so much more important to me than anything else. It's more important than, than all of the things of this world. Just peace, just happiness, just joy, just love and, and family and church and, and God and all of these things. You know, there's things that God uh, can put in our empty cup to fill it up that will make us happy and will be joyous. I, I've got to go back to the well of God. I've got to continue to feel the presence of the Lord. There is something powerful in humbling ourselves and totally surrendering to God. There's something powerful in that. Something, something that's surrendering is weakness. You know why? Because you've been watching too many cowboy movies. Well, they say, stick your hands up. You know what that means? They're in control of you. They might have a gun to your back. You've seen, so many, you've seen too many cowboy movies. Too many John Wayne movies. That, uh, they got their hands raised. They're surrendering. And it's weakness. You want control. Now if John Wayne raised his hands, he always gets out of it. 
Somehow he always gets out of it. I'd hate to be hit with his fist. You ever seen his fist? Uh, he's always getting out of it, but that's just a narrative of, of some movie or something, some writer. But yet, we, we look at, in life, we look at things like when we're weak. We don't want to be weak. because And even surrendering, that is a weakness that we don't want to be a part of. But some think that, that surrendering is weakness. But in God's word, that surrendering means you're going to be strong. That surrendering means you're going to gain something in your life that you never thought you could receive. And you're going to find more strength than you could ever uh, work up in your own life, in your own heart, in your own soul. It is. And that's what we need to find God is that it is through weakness we find God. In the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 25 through 31, listen to what it says here. Because the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. The weakest thing of God, if there is any weakness in God, is stronger than men. And it goes on and says, for ye, for ye see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise, in verse 26, not many wise after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. Verse 27, but God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. And God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty. Verse 28, and base things of the world and things which are despised hath God chosen. Yea, and the things which are not to bring to naught things that are. Verse 29, that no flesh should glory in his presence. But of him are ye in Christ Jesus, who God is made unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. Verse 31, that according as it is written, he that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. We don't need to glory in ourselves. And we need to take our, our thinking of human thinking and just kind of revamp it and push it out that when I am strong, I'm going to be weak. But when I'm weak, I'm going to be strong. I desire to live life in strength. I want to do the best that I can. But when it comes to coming before God, I've got to be weak before Him. I've got to shed myself of myself. I've got to take my flesh and put it aside. I've got to take my way of thinking and my will and put it aside. And I've got to yield to the power of the Word of God, the will of God for my life. Because when I take this Word and I begin to put it in my life, I'm going to begin to come, become strong in Him. Amen. It's amazing what the Word of God reveals to us about life in general. And you know, the, the psychologist, the scientist, the doctors, all of the answers are right in here if they would just look into it. It's right here. But I want to live life strong, but when I come before God, I need to become weak. But I don't want to complicate it. I don't want to complicate it. I just need to surrender. Just surrender all and hold on to nothing. Just surrender all and hold on to nothing. That's the reason why this altar here is so important. This altar, the whole church service of worshiping God and praising Him for what He's done and, 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 and uh, sacrificial giving and all of the things that we do and, we, and the preaching of the Word and the teaching of the Word is really to get us to come to a place of the most important part of our lives and that's sacrifice and surrender to the Lord and to His Word and to His will and to His way. And we come to that point, we come to an altar and we offer it up before the Lord. Here I am, God. I empty myself out before You. I empty my heart, my mind, my thinking. I just lay it down at this altar. And you might say, I don't know how to do that. You'll find out. You'll find out when you get hungry enough and you want God, you're going to realize, God, I cannot do this on my own. I've got to have You. I've got to have the power of Your 
Spirit to work on my life. I can't do it on my own. Hmm. A hungry man or woman on the street, they do crazy things when they're hungry. They do crazy things. When you're hungry enough for God, you're going to do crazy things. You're not going to worry about what anybody else says. I I seen a man one time uh, years ago. Uh, My family, we went on a vacation. We were in Reno, Nevada at a rest area. And uh, we took, uh, my, my mother asked me and my brother to take the trash out to the trash can. And we had just ate breakfast. We were in a, uh, there at the, RV at the rest stop and, and uh, we had a big window on the side of the RV and the trash can was right outside the window and so we, we took the trash out and threw it in the trash can and it was probably about five minutes later this, this man come walking up. He, he had this long trench coat on. Uh, he had an old rugged hat. Their clothes dirty. He was in rough shape. And he, he looked like he hadn't had a bath in a long time and he would come walking up to that uh, trash can and we, we were sitting there. We watched him he walked up and he dug in that trash can and he found some of those plates that we had just ate off of and he picked them up and he was hungry and he began to eat off of those plates. It was repulsive at first, but it moved our hearts to the point where we said, we can't let him do that. We've got to get some food together and we, we packed some food together we had in our camper and we took it out and gave it to him and it was probably like, uh, someone giving him a million dollars. But he got so hungry. He got to the point, I don't know what happened to his life. I don't know what struggle he went through to get him to that point of life, but he was so hungry. It made him do things I'm sure that he wouldn't normally do, but he found himself eating out of a trash can of somebody else's plates. But when you're hungry, you're going to find what you need the best you can. But the thing about it, when you're hungry for God, it'll make you do things that you never thought you would do. Amen. When the, when the altar call, if you're really hungry for God, you'll run and dive in the altar. I've seen it before. I've seen people dive in the altar because they were so desperate for God, they needed God. And you know what? They walked away from that altar filled with the Holy Ghost, not just barely speaking in tongues, but I'm telling you, they got something that totally changed their life. It, it was something that just flowed through their life. It changed them totally. I've seen uh, men that have uh, friends of mine that, that lived in prison every now and then. They would get thrown back into prison. They lived a life in prison, but I've seen them come to an altar and give their life totally to God, and they were hungry for God. They knew their way was not working, and God delivered them and set them free. I've seen drug addicts. A friend of mine who was a drug addict, drug pusher, I want him to the Lord, and I've seen him come and He was hungry for what I was telling him about. He seen it, he desired it, and he came to God and he received the Holy Ghost. We baptized him in a water tank in Jesus' name, but he was hungry. That's the thing. Some people are not ready yet because they're not hungry yet. And sometimes they get at the lowest pit that as far down as they go, and they still are not ready yet because they're not ready to humble the strength to become weak before God. It it was said in an article by a man named Jonathan Parnell. He said while he was in college, he went to a small prayer meeting that some friends of his asked him to go to. It was in a home, um, and he, he was desired. The only reason why he went there, he didn't know much about God. He didn't know much about prayer, but he knew that we pray, we should pray and talk to God and, and a glimpse of a possibility that maybe his loved one that was diagnosed with a life-ending disease would be healed. And he went to this prayer meeting in a house that was put together by a small church and um, it was a very humble place. But when he got in there, as they were praying for healing, deliverance, Something began to move in that prayer meeting because those people were hungry and desperate. And in that prayer meeting, as they prayed, uh, he, he also said in the article that before he went to that, 
He was taught in college by professors and philosophers. He had been taught that heaven is in the things that are around you. Now they eliminated God from the thought pattern that God is heaven, but they began to tell them and teach them uh, that, that, that heaven is the things that are around you, like the majestic mountains, that's heaven, or the beauty of the breeze that blows after a storm and, or rain, uh, the beauty of nature, it's heaven to us as a human being, and, and love relationships around you, that's what the world calls heaven. And, um, but it was the humanistic thinking and humanistic teaching that was telling them to eliminate God from heaven, uh, but yet everything around you is heaven. But they left out that God was the one that created everything around us to make it a beautiful place. Thank God for what he's given us. We want to take care of the earth that God has given us. But God was put out of the thought of heaven. But when you really stop and think about it, a lot of people that even in church think heaven is all about a mansion. Amen. A big mansion we've never had. It's all about uh, streets paved with gold. I have never walked down streets paved with gold, but uh, a lot of times people think that's what heaven's all about. It's a crystal sea. It's, a, it, it's walls of jasper and streets of gold and, and all these beautiful things and and that's what heaven is all about. They, 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 they limit it to that. But really, when you stop and think about what heaven really is all about, that we can actually bring heaven down to earth, what heaven is really about, it's all about being in the presence of Jesus. That's what heaven is all about. I'm thankful for the mansions. I'm thankful for the streets of gold. I'm thankful for the crystal sea. I'm thankful for all the things that God has prepared for us, the banqueting tables and the, and the beauty of heaven. But you know, the greatest thing about a child of God, when they have not been too strong to be weak, they take their weakness and submit it to God and we become weak before us and before God so that we could be strong in the Lord, then what happens is our mindset of heaven is not about mansions. It's not about streets of gold. It's about being in the presence of the Lord, going before His throne and worshiping the Almighty God. Huh. But Jonathan Parnell, he was desperate and he found a heavenly presence at that prayer meeting that he never had experienced before. And as we as humans, as humans, we have an incredible capacity and desire for the world beyond this world. We desire a world beyond this world, hope beyond this world. We desire joy. We desire happiness. It beckons to us. We want that heavenly place. It's just a part of our makeup. It's part of us. We want to be happy and joyous. And we want to dig deeper for what it all means. We want to do that. But C.S. Lewis said this, would tell us it's because we were made for another world. It's the reason why we're desiring this. We were made to worship God. We were made for another world. Yeah, thank the Lord for this world and the, and the beauty of it and, and thank the Lord for His blessings upon us. But yet, our longing today as children of God is for another world with God. Yeah, we're in the presence of the Lord when we come to the house of God. Yes, we feel the glory and the peace and touch of God. But can you imagine when we truly get into the presence of God and we feel that glory every day, we feel that power of God every day, every moment of every day and the glory and power of it. Heaven is being in the presence of the Lord. <laughs> How hungry are we for it? But he said, we were made for another world. We were made for a better world. And we would like to get back there. 
And in the college student's experience, he said, we need to flip how we conceive heaven as a place and think of it this way, that wherever Jesus is, that is heaven. And you see, it came to him. He had never experienced it before. He never knew about it all before, never understood it all. But it came to him in a prayer meeting in a home with a group of spirit-filled people and it changed him and he became more hungry. See in the book of Revelation 21 verse 1 and four, uh, through 4 it says, And I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth were passed away and there was no more sea. And I, John, saw the holy city New Jerusalem coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And then listen to what verse 3 says. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men. And he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people and God himself shall be with them and be their God. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. So when we consider heaven that's been in the presence of the Lord, I can only imagine that God's his description of heaven for him is to be with us to be with us, <laughs> to be with us throughout eternity and for us to be with him throughout eternity. In the book of 2 Corinthians 13 and 4, for though he was crucified through weakness, yet he liveth by the power of God, for we also are weak in him, but we shall live with him by the power of God toward you. Talking about weakness and Paul, Paul's weakness, he found strength, 2 Corinthians 12, 7 through 10, and lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. For this thing I besought the Lord thrice, that it might depart from me. And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, I will rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities and in reproaches and necessities and persecutions and distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then am I strong. Weakness is not a bad thing. When we're approaching God, weakness is strength in God. You see, God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. And through our hunger for God, we will find him. Because Jesus is our heaven on earth. He is our heaven on earth. Asbury University, they're experiencing a great outpouring of the Holy Ghost and miracles even because they're hungry. And that spirit that God had poured out upon all flesh, they're just opening up their hearts and saying, here I am, God, I want it. Whatever you have, I might not understand it. That's kind of the way I was. I don't understand it all, but God, I'm, I'm ready for it. I'm ready for it. And there is, is there a thirsting? Is there a thirsting in our soul today? You can have a stirring of your spirit. You can have a refreshing of the Holy Ghost today if you're hungry enough for it. And if you don't have the Holy Ghost, you can have it today. It's a matter of not being so strong you can't be weak. Becoming weak before God and laying our strength aside and saying, God, here I am. Is there a thirsting in our soul? If there is, you're going to find Jesus. 
You're going to find Jesus. <laughs> He's heaven on earth. He's heaven on earth. As we stand here today, there's an old song that, that we used to sing. <clears throat> and it was talking about the cup. I can't fill my cup up on my own and be blessed. I can't fill it up with the things that are going to satisfy my soul on my own. I can try, but it's just not going to be right. But there's a song that says, here's my cup, Lord. I lift it up, Lord. Come and quench this thirsting of my soul. Bread of heaven lead me till I want no more. Here's my cup, fill it up and make me whole. Let's sing it to the Lord. Here's my cup, Lord. I Lift it up, Lord. Come and quench this thirsting of my soul. Bread from heaven, feed me till I want no. My cup, fill it up and make me whole. Here's my cup, Lord. I lift it up, Lord. Come and quench this thirsting of my soul bread of heaven feed me till I want no more here's my cup Fill it up and make me whole. Let's sing it again. Can we come up around the altar as we sing it to the Lord? Here's my cup, Lord. I lift it up, 